pastor, do you think God is punishing me? And why do you say that? Why does that thought come up in your mind? Because somewhere in your heart, despite being forgiven, despite being reconciled, there is some sense, some lurking suspicion in you that at the end of the day, God may actually be against you after all. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, I'm sure there is someone, maybe many listeners, who might say, I know I'm saved and I know I'm forgiven, but still have a lingering doubt. Does God really not hold anything against me? Yeah, and uh, if that's where you are today, then I, I'm so glad that you're listening to the program. We're going to look at a story from the Old Testament that I think you're going to find really helpful you know, it's the story of Joseph and uh, his brothers really sinned against him and he forgave them. But after their father died, they were worried that Joseph might turn against them. See, in their hearts, they thought, yeah, he's forgiven us, but he really has it in for us after all. And Joseph had to come to them and say, no, I've really forgiven you. I, I did that a long time ago. Now, I wonder if that's a snapshot of um, where you are in relation to the Lord, that somewhere deep in your heart, you think that God still has it in for you. And what you need to hear today and what you will hear in the program today is that through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's forgiveness comes to you and it remains upon you. This is his great gift for all who are in Christ. And he's not secretly against you. He's for you. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Steve, I hope today's program is going to be a real means of settling peace in the lives of many Christian believers. I think it will be, Colin. So let's get straight into the message and Genesis chapter 50 as we begin the message, Safe and Secure. Here's Pastor Colin. Well, this is the series that I have not wanted to end. The story of Joseph marvelous story in which God uh, speaks so very, very wonderfully and directly into our lives. I've been a pastor for 35 years. The first time I've preached on the story of Joseph, and I've been thinking to myself, what in the world took me so long to get to such a rich part of the scripture as this? But we're at the last chapter of Genesis today, so please open your Bible at Genesis and chapter 50. I want you to notice that uh, the last chapter of Genesis begins with the theme of grieving over the death of Jacob. The old man uh, blessed his sons in chapter 49. At the end of that chapter, he breathes his last, he dies, he's gone. And verse 1 of chapter 50, we read that Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And the striking thing in the verses that follow that are all about the grieving and mourning over the death of Jacob is that it's not only the family who are grieving. Verse 3 tells us that the Egyptians wept for him and they did this for 70 days. So when the old man dies, having spent just the last 17 years of his life in Egypt, 
There's this outpouring of affection that comes across the whole of the community, which is just another evidence of the remarkable change that took place in Jacob's life in the last years. Remember, he was a rather miserable old man when he arrived in Egypt. My years, well, they're few and they are evil. But there was a transforming work of grace in the last years of his life to such an extent that when the old man died, the whole community was grieving because he had been such a blessing to so many people. Uh, That's a wonderful encouragement that even late in life, God can do a work in you that will cause you to be a remarkable blessing to many, many other people. Now, cultures are very different in regards to the way in which we deal with grief and with loss, but I think that there's something very significant and valuable to be learned from these 70 days of grieving. The Bible says there is a time to grieve. That's in Ecclesiastes. And 70 days of grieving, think what that means. It means that for more than two months, Jacob was the focus of attention. People told stories about uh, Jacob. The old man who had gone, they, they were thinking about him, they were speaking about him, and they did this for some period of time. Now, here's a very practical application of that. When a person is grieving the loss of a loved one, you may sometimes hesitate to speak to them about the person who has died because you don't want to upset again, the person who is grieving their loss. But let me suggest to you that it is almost always helpful to speak about the one who has died to the one who is grieving. And here's why. The loved one who has died is constantly in the mind and in the heart of the one who is grieving. And a very special bond is formed when it becomes evident that the one who has died is also in your mind and in your heart as well. So this chapter starts with this grieving over uh, Jacob. And think about the old man's life. He was so twisted in his earlier years. He was such a sad character in his middle years but he became such a remarkable blessing in his later years. And Jacob therefore stands as a wonderful testimony of what the grace of God can do in the saddest and most twisted of lives for his praise and his glory. And in the end, Jacob is safe and he is secure in the hands of the living God. So that's where the chapter, the last chapter of Genesis uh, begins. It begins with the theme of grief. Second, and we're going to spend a little longer on this, there's this theme of assurance. And these are the verses that were read to us a few moments ago. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Now, notice that when the old man dies, there's a change that comes to the brothers. Something new happens. They're gripped with fear. 
And they begin to reason like this. They say, now maybe it was that Joseph was just being kind to us for the sake of the old man. And now that the old man is gone, we could be in trouble. Now think about this. 17 years had passed since the marvelous day when Joseph and his brothers were reconciled. We looked at that together a number of weeks ago in chapter 45, how they came and Joseph made himself known. At first, they were absolutely dismayed. Joseph says, no, come near to me. And he weeps over them. He kisses them. He, he tells them how God has used all that has happened to advance his own great and glorious purpose. And there is the most marvelous reconciliation. They go back to the father. They bring their wives, their children, the whole family. 70 and all, they're settled in the land of Goshen. And every day for the last 17 years, Joseph is the one who has been providing for them homes, food, everything that is needed. It's all come from the kindness of the hand of Joseph. That's been their life for 17 years since they were forgiven and since they were reconciled. So isn't it remarkable that after 17 years, they still have this suspicion somewhere deep within their hearts that at the end of the day, Joseph may actually turn on them and that he may in some way repay them for the evil that they have done. You see what's happening here when they have that phrase there, the evil that we have done. He may pay us back for that. See, the evil that they have done even though it is forgiven, from time to time, it comes back to their minds. That's just part of how it is, the human memory. And, and we do remember things that we've done. And, and so they're wondering, well, it comes back to our minds. Maybe it comes back to his mind as well. And so you see this, this deep suspicion that even after all these years of experiencing the great love, the goodness, the provision that comes from the hand of Joseph, they are still wondering if in the end he may actually turn against them and they may be done for after all. Now, I want to suggest to you today that this is actually a remarkably common experience in the Christian life. Think about it. You came to Jesus Christ and trusted him. You were reconciled to him. Your sins were forgiven. Perhaps that happened for you 17 years ago or seven years ago or 70 years ago or six months ago. But you came to Christ and you've put your trust in him. And since then, he has guarded you and he has walked with you and he has provided for you. But when something really hard comes up in your life, your first thought, and you might say it to me even, you might say, Pastor, do you think God is punishing me? And why do you say that? Why does that thought come up in your mind? Because somewhere in your heart, despite being forgiven, despite being reconciled, there is some sense, some lurking suspicion in you that at the end of the day, God may actually be against you, after all. Or here you are a Christian, you're a child of God, you're reconciled to him. But if I were to ask you now, will you go to heaven when you die? Some of you would say to me, well, I hope so. And the reason you would say, I hope so, is that you're not really sure. 
You would like to think that this will happen, but you're not confident in regard to it. You don't really have peace about it. And so this problem that I'm saying is actually quite common among Christians is usually referred to as the problem of assurance. That is, that a person is forgiven, they are truly reconciled to God, but they are not sure about their relationship with him. They have a lurking suspicion, a sort of fear that at the end of the day, God may harbor some ill will towards you. And perhaps because from time to time, the evil that you have done comes back into your memory, you think, what if it's the same with God? And what if when it comes up in some way in his memory, he actually turns against me? And when I get to the gates of heaven, he remembers it all. And and then I'm gone. And then... I'm done for. These are very, very real issues. And there's a perfect picture of this problem of assurance in the impulse that arises from the brother's heart when the old man dies and they think, now maybe in the end, after all, after all this kindness, maybe at the end, Joseph is going to repay us for the evil that we have done. So this passage, I think, raises for us this very practical question. How, as a Christian, can you deal with this fear? How can you, as a Christian, establish assurance or confidence in your standing before God as a forgiven son or daughter, as one who is reconciled to him, not just for seven, 17 or 70 years, but in time for eternity, forever and forever. And I want to suggest to you just from this story, the way in which Joseph brings assurance to the brothers that we can kind of look through the eyes of what Joseph does to assure the brothers, and we can see how Jesus Christ brings assurance to us. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Safe and Secure. We've been thinking about grief and assurance, and when we come back in a moment, we'll be looking at what that assurance rests on. Open the Bible is able to stay on this station because of support from our listeners, so thank you very much for that. If you don't already support Open the Bible financially, but you'd like to have an opportunity to do so, you can find out all about it on the website, openthebible.org.uk. And if you're able to set up a regular donation to Open the Bible of £5 or more, in return we'd love to send you a copy of a book. It's by Nancy and Robert Wolgamuth, and it's called You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. It's recommended by Colin. Now let's get back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. I want to suggest to you today that our assurance in Jesus Christ has a fourfold foundation. It rests first on his love. And I want you to see in verse 17 the expression of the love of Joseph that we have here. The brothers, when the father dies, send a message to Joseph. And their message is that the father had said before he died, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And I want you to notice verse 17 how Joseph responds. It says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Why did he weep? Because after all he had done for his brothers, they still did not in their hearts believe that he really loved them. And he wept. 
And if you really love someone, and in their heart of hearts they keep doubting your love, that would make you weep too. John Owen says that um, the greatest sorrow, the greatest burden that a Christian can lay on God the Father, the greatest unkindness that we can do to him is not to believe that he loves us. It wounds the very heart of the one who loves. Now here's the first basis of assurance. Joseph loves them. And the weeping is an unfolding, a manifesting of that. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that a person like you who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It all flows out of the love of God. And this is the great argument that is presented before us in Romans and chapter 8. God has demonstrated his love in the giving of his son. And Romans 8.32 puts it like this. God did not spare his one and only son. There's love. God gives his son. And if God did not spare his one and only son, but freely gave him up for us all, then how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So you want to get assurance, you want to get confidence, you want to get joy in your relationship with God. Get your eyes off your own failures in your Christian life, the inadequacy and weakness of your faith in your prayer life and all of that. Get your eyes onto this, the great love that God has for you in Jesus Christ. Assurance is birthed and it is grounded there. Second, our assurance in Christ rests on his authority. Now here, Joseph points to Jesus by way of contrast. In other words, the opposite is true with regards to Jesus of what Joseph says here. But you'll see the connection straight away. Look at verse 19. Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? Now, the brothers are afraid because they think that Joseph might pay them back for the evil that they have done. And Joseph says, look, recompense for evil is something that belongs to God, not me. I am not God. It's not my job to recompense the wrong that was done to me. Now, in this, of course, Joseph is giving us a marvelous example. We are never to pay back evil for evil. That's the principle of Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. These words were written first in the book of Deuteronomy, many, many years after the time of Joseph. But Joseph already knew the principle. What is it? Never avenge yourselves. Because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, you see what Joseph is saying in the force of it. He's got this principle. It's not for me to recompense evil. That's not my job. That's God's job. And am I in the place of God? Look, I've forgiven you. You have nothing to fear from me. And I am not in the place of God. Do not fear, for am I in the position of God? Now think about this. Jesus Christ comes now into the world, and he is in the place of God. There's the contrast, right? 
Uh, he was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so what he says, God says, and what Jesus does is what God does. And what does Jesus do? He goes to the cross, and he bears our sin in his body on the tree. And that takes us to a second great argument for assurance, or a great foundation of assurance, also in Romans in chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? Look, nobody is above him. He is in the supreme place of authority. If God be for us, who can be against us? If he has forgiven you, then who else can bring any condemnation against you? It's an argument from him being in the highest place. And that's why the Apostle Paul goes on to say, it is God who justifies. So who then in the world is going to be able to condemn? Jesus Christ died and he rose and he's at the right hand of the Father on high. There's the basis of your assurance. So who can speak any charge against you? God justifies you. He justifies you on the basis of his son and his finished work on the cross. And the son who finished the work on the cross is right at the right-hand side of the Father in heaven. His work is finished, therefore no one can condemn you. It's the argument from the position of God. It's the argument from the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ who said, all authority is given to me. So how do you ground assurance? It comes first out of a knowledge of the love that God has for you. It comes secondly out of a recognition that there's no higher authority in all of the cosmos. And if he has said that it is right with you, you have nothing to fear, even if your own heart condemns you, even when Satan condemns you, even if other people may condemn you. If God has said you are justified in Jesus Christ, you are justified in Jesus Christ, and who can condemn you when the highest authority has said you are forgiven and you are reconciled? And through my son, you are made right with me. Next time, we'll continue to think about assurance and what that assurance rests on. How can you have confidence or assurance as a Christian before God? Pastor Colin discusses from the story of Joseph four things that our assurance before God rests on. Part of our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life, that's next time on Open the Bible. And if you ever miss any of our broadcasts, you can always catch up or go back and listen again on the website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Today, I want to introduce you to a long-time listener of Open the Bible, Sue McLeish. Tell us, Sue, how you came across Open the Bible. Well, I was widowed a decade ago, found myself feeling very lost and empty. And one of my sons encouraged me to listen to some sermons online. <laughs> and I came across Pastor Colin Smith. And I found myself listening more and more as God used Colin's Bible teaching to awaken something within me in that difficult time. And I've followed and enjoyed and learnt from Colin's resources ever since. So, if you've yet to try Colin Smith's short daily devotionals, go to www.openthebible.org.uk. 
for Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us next time as we continue the message, Safe and Secure. That's next time on Open the Bible. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. How can you have confidence or assurance as a Christian before God? Find out next time on Open the Bible.